Hi guys, it's Jill. Jen and I are at the Appalachian Writers Conference this week, but we didn't want to leave you high and dry. So we're sharing with you content we created for our friends at Access Paranormal Radio. We created a new segment for them that plays monthly called The Boo Review. Following this message, you will hear August and July's Boo Reviews back to back. We hope you enjoy them. And if you do, please tune in monthly at Access Paranormal Radio. You can visit their Facebook page, Access Paranormal Podcast. Our friends in the UK can listen in at www.135radio.co.uk. And as always, you can find us at commonmystics.net and on our socials at Common Mystics Pod. Thanks, guys. From Common Mystics Media, this is The Boo Review. I'm Jill Stanley. Your monthly bulletin is based on a story that comes to us from the San Francisco Examiner dated March 29, 1896. The article refers to a town located in the New England region of the United States. The town of Easton, Maine has been a place of legend for over a hundred years. Now let's get with Jennifer James at the bulletin desk for more details. Jennifer? Thank you, Jill. One ancient house in the heart of Easton had been deserted for many years. Despite the efforts to occupy the dilapidated building, no one had been able to stay within its walls for long. In an attempt to uncover the truth behind this strange phenomenon, one brave and curious young man from a prominent family decided to investigate by spending several nights in the old house. His story quickly spread among the townspeople, and they were captivated by his recount of the strange events he had encountered. That first night, after he had gone to bed and left the light on, a large black canine appeared as if out of nowhere. It seemed to have passed through a closed door without any effort and made its way over to his bedside. The dog stood there with a fierce glint in its eyes, almost as if it was staring him down. The young man was so startled that he started up in his bed only to see the spectral figure evaporate into nothingness. It seemed like a warning of something sinister, but he couldn't fathom what it could be. He felt as if an invisible menace was looming over him. All he could do was wait and see what would come next. The young investigator, determined to uncover the truth of the mysterious occurrences in the house, braced himself for what was to come. He hadn't expected that what would appear before him was a young woman. Seemingly no older than he, wearing a white dress that seemed outdated and torn in places, her hair was a wild mess of unkempt 
black strands that hung around her face like a curtain. Tears streamed down her porcelain skin as she wrung her hands together in despair. The eerie atmosphere was exasperated by an appalling clanking of a heavy chain coming from somewhere below. Accompanied by deep groans from various places around the house. The inner walls of the house creaked and groaned in response to the agonizing clamor of the chain and an oppressive darkness filled every corner of the building, only broken by a few cracked windows that let minimal light in. The air was thick with fear and apprehension, making it almost impossible to move or to speak. And to make matters worse, there were strange sounds coming from all directions. Mysterious whispers, scuttling feet, slamming doors, as if some unseen force were lurking in every room. Even the furniture seemed to vibrate with an unearthly energy, ready to come alive at any moment. Whatever was causing the strange and unnatural disturbance, it was clear that this place was far from safe. The young man trembled in fear as he stepped out of his bed and he headed downstairs to the dining room. His heart pounded wildly and it felt like an eternity as he made his way through the eerie corridors of the house. He could hear strange, unknown voices echoing throughout the walls, almost as if they were communicating with each other about him. He was terrified, but determined to prove that he wasn't afraid. When he finally arrived at the dining room, he cautiously opened the door and peered inside. What he saw before him filled his soul with dread and disbelief. The room was filled with a variety of ghostly figures from all walks of life. Some were dressed in ancient garments, while others wore clothes from more modern times. Some had a pale glow around them, while others were shrouded in shadows. All of them seemed to be staring directly at him with their cold, dead eyes. The young man had no idea how long he remained frozen in place, but eventually he mustered up enough courage to take a step forward into the room. It seemed like an eternity before any of the figures moved or said anything, until one stepped forward and spoke in a hollow voice. We've been expecting you. The house has never been entered since. Another Easton man of undoubted veracity claims to have seen a phantom woman in broad daylight when the sun was shining brightly and no thoughts of the ghostly were in his mind. It was in his own home, too, where all was cheerful and nothing existed to put him in a morbid state. The mysterious woman was described as having a gaunt and haggard appearance, her face pale and drawn with dark circles beneath her eyes. She was wearing tattered clothing that seemed to flutter in the wind, despite there being no breeze present. Her hair was disheveled and hung down around her shoulders in greasy strands. He felt a chill as he slowly raised his gaze, and there before him was the ghostly figure of what appeared to be a woman. He was so taken aback by the realism of her presence that he began to take a step forward, as if to greet her in some way. But before he could manage a word, however, the woman gave him one long, penetrating look. It felt like she had seen right 
into his core and read every thought, emotion, and feeling that lie within. Stunned by this experience, he watched in amazement as she turned without a word and walked away slowly until she faded from view. To this day, the memory of her eyes still haunts him. These accounts have been corroborated by other local residents who reported similar sightings of a mysterious woman lingering in the shadows around town. Those who have seen her feel unsettled by her presence and are unable to shake the feeling of dread when recalling their encounter with her. For those who live in Easton, these stories have become part of their folklore, another strange tale to be told during late-night conversations over crackling campfires. I'm Jennifer James. My goodness, thank you so much, Jennifer. And for all of us at Common Mystics Media, we thank you for listening to The Boo Review. You can find us at commonmystics.net, find us on our socials at Common Mystics Pod, listen to Common Mystics Podcasts wherever you find your favorite podcasts, and check out our book, Common Mystics Present, Ghosts on the Road, Volume 1, Murders and Mysterious Deaths, available at Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Until next time, I'm Jill Stanley. Good night. From Common Mystics Media, this is The Boo Review. I'm Jill Stanley. This month's bulletin is based on an article that comes to us from the Smyrna, Delaware Times, dated January 26, 1881. The article brings us an astonishing story from the heart of Smyrna, Delaware, involving one revered Reverend Sharp. Known for his unwavering faith and dedication to his congregation, Reverend Sharp found himself in the center of a spiritual battle as he fearlessly confronted the forces of darkness. For more on this, please welcome Jennifer James from the Bulletin Desk. Jennifer? Thank you, Jill. The town of Smyrna is located in sparsely populated Kent County in central Delaware in the mid-Atlantic United States. Smyrna has a rich history, being one of Delaware's agricultural and shipping centers since the American Revolution. In the days of the Protestant Revival, known as the Second Great Awakening, one of Smyrna's most notable residents was the Reverend Solomon Sharp a significant historical figure best known for revitalizing the Methodist Episcopal Church in the early 1800s. Reverend Sharp's riveting sermons and reported miraculous acts were considered instrumental in the church's revival. Indeed, those who knew the man deemed him to be a prophet and oracle, a true man of God. The Reverend Sharp was described as patriarchal, tall and majestic, with long, flowing white hair that came down to his shoulders. His congregation described him as having intelligent features, with large, lustrous eyes, a strong, penetrating voice, and a countenance full of benignity. He was regarded far and wide as the best preacher of his day. His sermons, passionate and descriptive, could run over an hour and a half, yet 
His congregation would hang on his every word. It was said that his sermons flowed with ease as wind on eagle's wings. As impressive as the Reverend Sharp was behind the pulpit, he earned even more acclaim for his acts of miraculous healing. He was said to resurrect the sickly from the very grasp of death. <coughs> Community member Piner Mansfield was gravely ill, nearly given up for dead. Yet the Reverend Sharp strode with calm determination into his bedchamber, knelt with humility beside Piner's deathbed, and prayed earnestly, beseeching the power of God to heal and pleading for Piner Mansfield's recovery. According to witnesses, he took hold of God's strength and Piner lived. It was said that the Reverend's prayers would not let the man die. However, the Reverend Sharp, in his relentless dedication to heal the sick, would soon face his greatest challenge yet and become locked into a life-or-death struggle against pure evil. One fateful Sunday morning, the good reverend was preaching at an extended church meeting in Smyrna. It was a retreat of sorts that had lasted several days, attracting people from across Delaware and Maryland to hear the word of God expressed through Reverend Sharp's charismatic and commanding voice. Such was the power of his message that the crowd fell to the ground by the hundreds, prostrate with heavenly ecstasy. Amid this thrilling atmosphere of revival and rejoicing, in between sermons, some church members found the Reverend Sharp and implored him for help. They begged him to go at once to the home of a certain lady, a prominent member of local society, who was a woman of wealth and family prestige. She had always been known to have a good and pious character, as well as a refined temperament. Yet, witnesses claimed she had acted very strangely during the religious exercises that morning. Basking with her neighbors in the miraculous word of God, she had started to become increasingly agitated. She startled onlookers as she began loudly scoffing and screaming and spitting during the sermon. Her disturbing behavior drew anxious stares from a larger and larger portion of the crowd. Some of her friends, seeing the lady in obvious distress and behaving quite unlike herself, led her away from the holy activities and guided her uneasily back to her own home. They helped her to her bedroom and instructed her to lie down and be still, but she could not be still. Her affliction seemed to grow worse, and her actions grew more unsettling to behold. She screeched until her voice broke, screamed curses at her friends, spat bloody foam, and struck at them before she was forcibly restrained. Frightened, her friends sought the assistance and wisdom of the Reverend Sharp. Hearing what had happened, he went at once to the house of the afflicted lady. The Reverend arrived at the lady's home with a handful of trusted members of his congregation. 
They knocked on the front door and waited for some response. The house seemed quiet when they arrived. Perhaps the lady had recovered. After several moments, the door creaked open. The Reverend Sharp and the others looked about for their host expectantly, but the lady was not there. No one was. The Reverend Sharp stepped carefully into the house. He noted the pronounced chill in the air, which stood in stark contrast to the temperatures outside. Black horse flies gathered at the windows, and all could detect the faint whiff of rotting meat. Stirred by a sudden commotion above, the reverend raced upstairs to the lady's bedroom. Within, surrounded by fearful onlookers, the lady lay on her bed. She was writhing, convulsing in agony. Her face was twisted and distorted, utterly unrecognizable. At once the Reverend Sharp saw the truth of the lady's affliction. She is possessed of the devil, he cried. Let us pray. The Reverend made the sign of the cross in the air as he led those assembled in prayer. They bowed their heads, stuttering and trembling in the presence of the evil interloper. Only the Reverend Sharp stood tall. He raised his hands and beseeched the healing power of Jesus Christ. The woman's paroxysms grew more violent as the Reverend spoke. Her body twisted and her skin writhed like she was filled with snakes. Her limbs bent at grotesque angles. The sounds of creaking bone and sinew pierced the ears of those gathered in holy prayer. All at once, her body flew sideways off the mattress and crashed to the floor. Disheveled, but otherwise calm and quiet, the lady sat up, cocked her head with a jerk, and held her gaze on the Reverend Sharp. Suffused with an unmistakable amber glow, her eyes penetrated the souls of everyone present with a hateful gleam, a look of mocking cruelty, utterly inhuman. Then, without warning, her head crashed onto the wooden planks again and again and again, thudding with mindless violence as several men struggled to lift her up and secure her back onto the bed. It took six men to hold her in place as she thrashed and growled, limbs twisted and trembling, bleeding from the back of her wounded head. The Reverend Sharp continued to pray, unfazed, and again demanded God himself to rescue the lady from the grip of her demonic tormentor. With each demand, the lady cackled maniacally, screeching and hurling obscenities at the holy man. Everyone present began to gag from the sudden, overpowering stench of rotting meat. Despite the closed windows, a strange wind swirled near the ceiling above the lady in her shaking bed. 
Horseflies buzzed and bit those present, caught up in an unearthly vortex of stinking wind. A pine writing desk and a wash table shook from across the room. The cloudy water in the basin splashed to the floor as the woman moaned and spat and snarled like a wolf and struggled against the shuddering men who held her down. The reverend held firm through every onslaught, through biting flies, the fetid stench filling the room, and the awful inhuman utterances coming from the woman. He raised his voice and entreated all the powers of heaven to aid them. Again he commanded, Thou unclean spirit, I command thee, in the name of Jesus Christ, O Lord, the Son of Almighty God, come out of this woman. I cast thee out by Jesus Christ. Be gone. With a final dizzying lurch, the room suddenly became still. The furniture ceased trembling. The wind, the stench, the flies, all vanished in a single tick of a clock. The reverend caught a ragged breath, the exhaustion evident for all to see. The church members hesitantly unscrewed their eyes, foreheads beaded with sweat, trembling with fear. Each of them turned their eyes slowly, hesitantly, towards the once terrifying figure lying prone upon the bed. Her face, twisted and contorted mere moments ago, was now serene. Her features again relaxed, her countenance composed. With a start, her eyes opened and her face filled with sudden joy. She beamed in exhausted gratitude for she knew the good reverend had saved her soul that day. Her neighbors praised God and rejoiced. They stayed with her for many days and aided her lengthy recovery. Her wounded head was bandaged and her bones were set and healed in time. And it was said in some weeks she was completely healed and fully regained her physical strength as well as her good and pious nature. And she was never again possessed by the devil. But as word spread throughout Smyrna about this day's astounding events... Even as men sang the holy man's praises, many did wonder and fear. When the Reverend Sharp did cast him out, where did the devil go? Would he, could he, somehow return? Wow, a very good question indeed and very unsettling as well. Thank you so much, Jennifer James. And from all of us at Common Mystics Media, thank you so much for tuning in to this month's bulletin. For more of us at Common Mystics, we can be found at commonmystics.net, on our socials at Common Mystics Pod. You can find our podcast, Common Mystics, wherever you're hearing your favorite podcast. Also, our new book, Common Mystics Present, Ghost on the Road, Volume 1, Murders and Mysterious Deaths, is available now on Amazon or wherever you get your favorite titles. Thank you so much for listening and good night.